The Talking Points podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. My Gibson coming to you live from ACC 2022, and I'm joined by Marie Sophie de Kooning, and we are talking about yet another attempt to limit uh, injury and ST elevation MI, this time with sodium thiosulfate. So talk to us a little bit about why you did what you did and what you did and what you found. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um... Now, the ultimate aim of our trial was to uh, reduce infarct size in patients presenting with STEMI since it's still an, uh, yeah, an unmet target within STEMI. We've tried a lot of times to make that better. Yes. So I'm to see uh, what you're going to say. So we hope we can uh, reduce infarct size with the ultimate aim to improve prognosis. Therefore, we... Uh, used the sodium thiosulfate as investigational compound, which is a strong antioxidant and HCS donating compound. And yeah, for HCS donating compounds, a lot of preclinical evidence, both in small and large animals uh, was available. And uh, therefore we uh, administered to patients that presented with the first STEMI, uh, sodium thiosulfate before reperfusion and at six hours thereafter. Uh, or other, otherwise patients were randomized to pl matching placebo. And at four months, we uh, yeah, investigated or we obtained uh, myocardial infarct size and several other secondary outcomes. And yeah, at the main result, the primary outcome of our trial um, was not reduced by uh, sodium thiosulfate. So let me ask you a few details, Marie-Sophie. How did you measure infarct size? Um, how did we measure it? Mm -hmm. um, we did it um, with cardiac magnetic resonance imaging at four months, and we determined the infarct size by delayed enhancement uh, imaging. And did you just measure it in grams, or did you measure it as a percent of the area at risk? What was the method? Uh, we measured it as a percentage of the area at risk. And, and how did you measure area at risk? That's always a tricky one. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we, uh, we measured it as a percentage of the total LV mass. Good. Total LV mass. That's really good. Now, we published a paper a year or two ago showing that there's a lot of variability as you can expect in LV mass. And so you have to adjust for LV mass in making this assessment because people with hypertension, et cetera, uh, bigger males will have bigger uh, LV size. So uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting concept. How do you adjust for uh, total infarct size? Uh, and did you look at anything else, any other signals like um, LV function, anything else, any signals that were positive anywhere? Uh, at secondary endpoints, we uh, uh, investigated left ventricular ejection fraction at the same CMR of cardiac magnetic resonance uh, imaging at four months. And we also um, investigated anti-proBNP levels at four months and enzymatic infarct size at hospitalization. I see. And all of those were negative as well. 
Yeah, all of those is negative as well. Did you include inferiorize with anteriormize? You know, most of the signal is in the anteriormize. You can't really these days reduce the infarct size and inferiormize. So was this all comers or was it anteriormize? Um, it was an all-commerce study, and we had no restrictions for um, anterior versus inferior MI, but to reduce heterogeneity, we applied a stratification for patients with anterior MI uh, versus non-anterior MI. And did you see any heterogeneity in the signal? Did things trend in the right direction in the anterior MIs? No, the treatment effect was consistent. It was consistent. Both uh, locations of uh, MI. And did you have to have a closed vessel on entry, documented closed vessel, to be in the analysis? Now we found it really important to administer the uh, investigational compound early in the uh, before PCI. So we uh, administered sodium thiosulfate as soon as patients arrived at the cat lab and provided verbal consent. Um, yeah, this. Therefore, we were not able to have an angiogram and uh, select on closed vessel, but to aim for the most of to aim for patients with closed vessel, we um, applied the inclusion criteria that patients have to have symptoms or uh, ST deviation to be eligible. And if you do do the analysis on people who arrived with a closed vessel, that subgroup. Did you see anything, a benefit there? Uh, no patients with uh, TIMI flow before PCI of zero or one versus two or right. three were, uh, yeah, this, the effect was consistent. Was consistent. All right, well, I tried every which way. I tried anteriors, closed arteries. Uh, I guess the other question is how long did the people have symptoms in the study? Um, mean uh, ischemic time was two to two and a half hours. Um, the, we, the inclusion criteria was that patients had to have symptoms less than 12 hours, but we uh, observed that most patients were around two to two and a half hours, which is uh, also within the time where we would expect to salvage something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you just joined the club. I've, I've uh, been in this club for quite a while. We've tried many times with many agents to minimize uh, the generation of uh, superoxides, to minimize you know, the oxidation and to um, improve the health of the mitochondria, preserve mitochondrial integrity. And uh, we haven't really succeeded. I think the only things that have really succeeded are possibly hypothermia, in anteriormize, possibly high dose adenosine in anteriormize, and possibly uh, high dose oxygen uh, infusion in anteriormize. I'd say possibly because a lot of these were underpowered looks, uh, kind of not pre specified. Uh, so the search continues. We keep trying to find something to minimize reperfusion injury. Sounds like a great study that you and your colleagues did, Marie-Sophie. Congratulations. And I look forward to learning more from you in the future about some of your future trials. Thank you, yes. And thanks to all of you for joining us here from ACC 2022.